So, uh, Philippians 12 to 26. Um, a little bit of background. Um, what happened before this and why this letter was written is that the Philippians, they sent an envoy, uh, Epaphroditus, and he's actually mentioned later on in the letter, um, because they wanted to send contributions and messages of goodwill and support to Paul because they were worried about him. Um, and what we really have to remember here, although he is St. Paul to us and he is this massive figure in Christianity, to them, he was someone that they knew. He had brought the good news to them. He had guided them, led them, and he was a, a friend, a brother. He was a loved one. And this loved one, he was miles away. He was in prison, and he was facing... They didn't know what at that time. He, execution, probably, but torture, maybe. They didn't know. They were worried about him, as, as we all probably have been when we've had a loved one far away. We're worried. We, we try and do what we can. And so they sent Epaphroditus to, to, to help him and support him. And as we've seen from the first bit of this letter, he's obviously very happy that they've done that and very happy for their support. Um, but now what he starts to do, uh, quite brilliantly, is he starts to talk to them about the fact that what they are doing where they are for the good of Christ is having a good effect on him. And his circumstances and where he is, is in turn having a good effect on them. Um, so how does he start that? Well... He starts by saying this. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me is actually, has actually served the advance of the gospel. Which is kind of his way of going, actually, me being in prison here in this situation is a good thing. And it served the gospel. And when you hear that first, you kind of go, oh, really? Because he's incarcerated, he's in prison. How does that work? Um, and then he says, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Uh, and this is, this is a wonderful, because what he's actually said there, apart from the fact that I have this wonderful image of him being that guy that is preaching the gospel in prison to all these palace guards, all these tough Romans, and they must be thinking, we can't shut him up. He just keeps talking to us about Christ. Please. Um, but what he's also said is he said, you Roman authorities, and everybody else knows this, you may think that you have control over me because you've put me in prison and you've taken me away from, my, supposedly, from my mission to get the gospel of Christ out there, but actually, I'm not here by your authority. I'm here by Christ's authority. Christ has put me here, and what has happened? Instead of you being able to shut me up and, and stop the gospel from being spread, um, he says, because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Um, now, I was listening to Dennis's uh, sermon last week, and one of the things that he mentioned is that Philippi in particular was a community that had a very large Roman army presence. 
And at this time, you have to understand, the Roman army, they were the enforcers of the Roman Empire. They were formidable. They were more advanced than anything else that was out there at that time. They were feared. And yet, in this community, there was a thriving church proclaiming the gospel without fear. At a time when they must have thought, oh, we were in control. Look how many soldiers we've got here. And they're going, actually, no, people are still proclaiming the gospel. So then Paul goes on. He's saying, you're proclaiming the gospel. And then he talks about how he is rejoicing in this. So this is not a pessimistic letter of support. This is him going, come on, I'm rejoicing. But at the beginning, he he says something that is, for me, when I read it, was a bit unusual. He said, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. Okay, why is he mentioning the envy and rivalry? Um, the latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here in the defense of the gospel. So he's talking to all those, all those good people who through their love and, and the joy of Christ are supporting him in his endeavors there because he is in defense of the gospel by preaching and telling them good news for the right reasons. But he then points out the former preach Christ out of a selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. And then there's that wonderful line, but what does it matter? And what Paul has done here, he has looked at the situation, he has looked at their motivations, and he has gone... It doesn't matter because the result is the same. They are still preaching the gospel. And just like the Roman authorities beforehand, who thought that by imprisoning Paul, they were going to nip this movement in the bud, this this message that was getting out there that had caused economic, social, political upheaval, this message of, of, of the gospel, which they obviously were very worried about in some respects. What they did is they missed the point because they thought they'd get Paul in prison. Paul in prison would stop it. But it's not about Paul. And these people who are stirring up trouble for him, who are doing it because they're selfish and because they're envious and because they have rivalry because he's not there... He's in prison, so they've gone, oh, there's a, a power vacuum, and I'll step in, and, I'll, use, and I'll, I'll serve my own agenda. They also have missed the point. It's not about Paul. It's about the gospel. It's about the message. It's about Christ. And Paul knows that. So when he looks at it, he goes, I'm not going to get sucked into that negative bad feeling. I am actually just going to rejoice once more because the result of their actions is that the gospel is still getting out there. It's still being preached. The word is still getting out. This wonderful message that that Christ has come and and he has saved us. Um, Now this I think is a very relevant aspect for us today because you know we're in a world where we have soundbite journalism, we have Twitter, we have people who love to revere themselves. Um, the word narcissism, the word demagogue, all these phrases that are basically people who have their own agenda 
and want us to look at them and look at what's happening. And how do they do that? They make things sensational. How do they make things sensational? They make things negative. They, make, they suck you in. And what people have a tendency to do is when that happens, you don't look around you. You don't see anything else. And you stop doing the good. You stop getting the message out there. You stop just looking and being good to your fellow man. So what Paul has, has done here, he has basically given us a, a bit of a, a mini template to say, don't get sucked into that. Don't worry about that because it's not about them. And when you get sucked into that, you start to think about you. It's not about you either. And it's not about me. It's about the gospel and it's about the good work of getting that gospel out there. Um, I have a very, very quick example, a modern example. Unfortunately, it involves myself. Um, Wednesday, I was cycling on my bicycle, going down to Victoria Station. I was going out to uh, train a bunch of year six primary school kids, cycle training. I, uh, I came to a light, I filtered through, I put my bicycle in the bicycle box in front of a taxi, and then the lights changed and I started to pull off. The taxi was obviously in a hurry. He started hooting me and... And of course, what do I do? What are you doing? Why are you doing that? For goodness sake, man. Then he starts to pull around me. But he can't, he's, there's not enough room, so he has to pull back. That's dangerous. I'm incensed at this point. I'm, why are you doing that? But I'm up to speed now, so I get past him, I get in front of him. And then, <clears throat> to my shame... I raise my hand and I make an inappropriate gesture in anger and then I signal left and I turn into Victoria Station. And then I walk through Victoria Station fuming. All I can think about is what has happened to me there and how out of order that guy was and how he has affronted me and I'm on the train and I'm still fuming until about five minutes before I have to get off at Bromley South. When I remember this passage and I go what are you doing what would Paul do Paul would have gone hang on hang on hang on there you go God bless he would have walked through that station looking around at people smiling at them making eye contact saying hello if there was anybody that he could help he probably would have helped them he would have got on the train he probably would have looked out the window and seen the glory of God's creation because it was an amazingly sunny day on Wednesday I don't know if you were out it's beautiful. It was the wrong weather for this time of the year, but it was beautiful. I actually had to put on factor 20 uh, when I was training, otherwise I would burn. Um, but he would have seen that, and then he would have got off and he would have been focused on the day, which luckily, by the time I got to those kids, I was focused on the day. And I trained 12 year six children to ride confidently on bicycles with big smiles on their face and they were absolutely chuffed at the end of the day when they got their bikeability level one and two. Little thing. But for 25 minutes, all I could think about was myself and how I was affronted by a cabbie who himself may have had 100 reasons for being impatient. That, and it was, he saw the red mist, I saw the red mist, but we didn't think about anything else. We just thought about ourselves and it's not about us and we as Christians we're obligated we have to think not about ourselves but about doing good 
So next time you see a situation, if you look at it and you go, oh, you know, that's, uh, there's some bad stuff there, just look at the good and rejoice. And if there is no good there, answer it with good. Um, we have a wonderful, the wonderful joy, which obviously they wouldn't have had at the time, of having all of Paul's letters in front of us. So I'll just say to you, Romans 12, 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Answer bad with good. Now, um, Paul finishes this off, this little section, this 14 verses. That's all it is, 14 verses. He talks about, now, the possibility of his death. And I think a lot of these, uh, you know, the reason, as I said, the, the, the Philippians, they would have been worried about this idea. And, of course, later on, we unfortunately know that Paul was executed. Um, but he talks to them, and it's not, it's not a kind of, yes, my death. Mm. What he kind of says is, I hear you're worried about my death. Don't be. Don't be. He's, he rejoices, for, and then he says, For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. So what you're doing, your prayers, and all the things that have happened, I will be delivered. And I'm pretty, pretty sure of that. You know, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And, and what he's basically saying there is, guys, if I die, I'll be with Christ. What a better place to be. You know, so don't worry about that, that if, if I do die. And then he says, you know, I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ. Um, who wouldn't? Which is better by far. But then he realizes, it, or understands, it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body and convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. And then the last line, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. So what Paul has done in 14 verses of one letter, he's turned around to them and said, I should be in prison. Christ wants me in prison. They all know that Christ wants me in prison. Me being in prison has inspired you to have courage and to carry on spreading the good news. I'm rejoicing in this. I'm not getting sucked into the bad or into the negative because I know that all those people that are doing it for their own ends, what happens is the gospel is still getting out there. And then I don't fear death and neither should you fear my death. Because if I die, I go to Christ and if I stick around, I'm going to stick around to support you as you are supporting me through the work that you are doing in Christ's name. Because at the end of it all, it's not about me and it's not about you. It's about us and it's about Christ and it's about getting that word out there.